Let us hear the word of God. We're going to read the second letter of John. The elder, to the lady chosen by God and to her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son will be with us in truth and love. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I am not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your sister who is chosen by God send their greetings. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We welcome in particular our preacher today, Rob Cardew, who is here with his wife Fern, their daughter Mia, and with Fern's sister, Jose. Rob did a ministry traineeship at our sister church, St. Silas, in Glasgow, and he's now a minister in training at Edinburgh North Church. So all four of you are very welcome. Thank you for joining us. And Rob, we look forward to hearing what the Lord has given you to say to us today. So I'm going to invite Rob to come forward now to bring us the Lord's word in preaching. Rob, would you come forward, please, and perhaps I can pray with you before we start. Father God, we thank you for Rob's visit today, and we lift him to you now. We pray that you will speak to him and speak through him. May the words of his mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Rob. Thank, you. Thank you. Well, good morning to all of you and uh, a happy new year. Um, I don't need to introduce myself anymore, I don't think, um, than Alistair's already done. Um, I will say that um, I'm very grateful, um, and all of us are, my, my family, for having 
For you having us to worship alongside you, I always think it's really special to be invited as a guest preacher. And I always think there's it's a testimony to the love that is inside each and every one of us because of Christ that you can be in a room full of strangers and yet we have the most important thing in, in common um, and that we can get on. It's, 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 it's a, like I said, it's a, a t- testimony to his love. Um, so thank you for having us uh, this morning. Um, let me um, just uh, pray with you all as well and ask for God's help before we look at his word. Let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that we can trust it. Um, As we come to it now this morning, Lord, we pray that by your Holy Spirit, that you would convict us of your truth, and that we would be comforted and know your love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, please do keep your Bibles open at 2 John. Uh, Have those in front of you, that would be helpful. A healthy and a fruitful church needs to be defined by both truth and love. Truth and love are two seeds that need to be sown and grown uh, alongside each other. The the truth uh, uh, and love combination is so important in every area of our, our lives. But throughout history and, and even today, the, the church has always had to battle to maintain the truth. Uh, Some people, much like uh, bindweed, they will try and choke and strangle the truth. And what makes it really difficult is that the people who attack the truth, they claim to do it in the name of love. So the battle for truth can be very complex and it can be very difficult. In the letters of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, he's writing to Christians who've survived a battle for truth. And sadly, they were attacked by people from within their own congregation. And in this letter that um, was read out this morning, he wants to help churches who are recovering from that battle of truth to love again to rehabilitate this this church, to be defined by truth and love. And he approaches the task by providing three principles, three principles for a church in truth to also be loving. A church of truth and love is firstly bound in the truth. Secondly, walking in obedience. And thirdly, protecting the pulpit. So firstly, bound in truth. The first and foundational principle for any church is being bound in the truth. It isn't an option, but it's a reality for people who've given themselves to Jesus. The reason that we're even here today and gathered is because God has revealed his truth in the person of Jesus. His truth Jesus has come to us and he's joined us, not just to him, but to each other. And John begins and frames this letter with this reality. Look down to to verse 1. The elder to the chosen lady and her children, whom I love in the truth. And not only I, but also who know the truth. John reminds them that 
It's not only him as their their elder, their minister that loves them, but all who know the truth love them. And why does he say this? We'll look to verse 2. Because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. As the children of God, we all have his truth living in us. And another way of, of looking at it is that we're actually bound by the truth. Without truth, we'd be like a, a kite without a string, just drifting into nothingness. St. Thomas, as, as I know, is part of a long line of churches who faced a battle for the truth. I think it was in 2018 that this meant leaving the denomination that you were a part of. So you guys know what it means to be not just part of the truth, but to take a stand for it and battle for it. I came to to faith at St. Silas uh, when they were in the middle of leaving the same denomination. I'm now a minister in training at a church that left the Church of Scotland seven years ago. And I'm thankful that in my pilgrimage, in my journey as a Christian, I've been surrounded by so many godly soldiers who've battled for the truth. As I have observed the the denominations that have, have drifted from the truth, I think if I'm being generous, that there are many people who had a a, a desire and a good intention to emphasize the importance of love. They, They wanted to be on the side of love. But I think what they got wrong, or what they didn't realize, is that truth and love are two sides of the same coin. I wonder if they were uh, being honest as they look at the, the way that their churches have, have changed and progressed, how many people have really benefited from the changing of Christ's teaching? As if Jesus was just a, a product of his time, and now we know better. Many of these, these churches, they now face the problem of, of empty building, buildings just gathering dust, or they're desperately, desperately trying to still stay relevant. Like I said, without truth, you're just a a kite caught in the storm. The, The desire to stay relevant, it seems that it can actually make you irrelevant. No, a church is bound in truth, and that's why this is the first and foundational principle. The second one is walking in obedience. Now, it's all very well being a church that has battled for the truth, but we need to remember that the truth is that the church must be loving. This is what it means to walk in accordance to the truth. To walk in obedience is to love. Uh, follow John's argument in, from verses 4 to 6. Uh, Verse 4, it's given him great joy to find uh, them walking in the truth. Verse 5, now he says, uh, he asks them that they are to love one another. 
And then verse 6, this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. And then he says, his command is that you walk in love. Uh, If you're a a fan of Paul's writing, it's very logical, very direct, straightforward. John is very frustrating. He's very circular. But you see how he's he's saying these these things of walking in uh, truth, obedience, love. They're all the same. They're all part of the same thing. And I wonder if you noticed uh, during the reading how he contrasts this walking with those who Uh, attack the truth. Look to verse 9. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. They're not walking with God, but running ahead and leaving behind the teaching of Christ. And tragically, this is a spiritual death sentence for them. Notice verse 9, it says they don't have God. Now, if we've remained in the truth, seeing these people uh, run ahead, uh, if you like, it can, it can make us feel like we're being left behind, starting to doubt and, and even question that maybe we are old-fashioned. Should we continue to walk in obedience? The the hot topics of the age, whatever they might be, sexuality, marriage, uh, transgenderism, abortion, the roles of men and women in the church. When you see others running ahead and, and progressing, even if it is beyond the truth of the Bible, it can be difficult. It can be it can be tempting to to swallow the lies that we need to update, if you like. There's a temptation to to also want to be progressing, to to modernize what God says about love. Someone uh, once told me, which I think is helpful, that in ministry, don't be a Ferrari. Instead, be a Skoda Octavia. (laughs) I don't think I'll be able to afford either, but... It's, It's not about racing ahead and having a flashy, impressive ministry. It's about being steady and reliable. And that's not just true for those in ministry, it's true for all of us as a Christian. And as a church, it's true for us as well. We must be walking with Christ in his grace, hand in hand to the end. Or as verse eight says, Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Walking in obedience is the steady pace of godly living. It's not that complicated. Not because we're we're trying to earn or merit God's grace in any way, but because we've already received it in the new life that he's given us. And in this new life, we gladly walk in obedience because we know and we trust it's the way to enjoy God's blessings. And it's the way that we best love one another. You can't just uh, declare yourself a soldier for truth and, and not love. 
Without love, you, you would not be walking in truth or in obedience. And John is a wonderful example to us all. Uh, he, he proclaims the truth. He's a good minister. But notice the amount of love he has for this congregation. Look to verse 12. Feel the, feel the tone of, of his words. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. John not only preaches the truth, but lives in the truth amongst them, loving them, caring for them. They used to call this visitation. Not many ministers who have battled for the truth uphold uh, the value of, of visitation, actually being amongst their, the, the flock, if you like. It's very easy for, for ministers to battle for the truth and, and forget that we also need to love as well. But John is, is an example to, to all of us. So that's one uh, and the first and second principle. The third principle is about protecting the pulpit. From verse 7, John warns them against the possible return of those people who've been attacking the truth. Then, in verse 10, he gives them what feels like quite an, uh, a surprising or an odd instruction. I wonder if that struck, struck you during the reading. He says, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching... Do not take him into your house or welcome him. Do you find that surprising? Should we ever deny someone hospitality? Can they not welcome the, uh, the ancient equivalent of a Jehovah's Witness in for a cup of tea? The key to understanding this instruction is understanding their culture in their, in their time. And once we've done that, we can apply it to us. So when Jesus would go preaching in, in different regions, he relied on the hospitality of those he taught. Uh, if you wanted to receive the teaching of Christ, you needed to welcome him and his disciples into your home. You needed to give them a, a meal for their bellies and a place to get their, their heads down and rest for the night. And we see in Paul's letters that he also worked in this way. He encouraged churches to support him financially and, and, uh, and partner with him, uh, give him hospitality so that he could come to them, which he greatly desired because he, he wanted to preach to them, give them the word of God. This is, this is how preachers worked and, and lived. And it was no different in, in John's uh, old age, which was when he was uh, writing uh, this letter, um, some say that he was the last of the apostles. Um, so he's the only apostle left. Um, but as they decrease, if you like, the, the gospel is, is growing. There's a lot of positivity. But so is the amount of traveling preachers. They are growing in number as well. And so the number of false teachers. Uh, false teachers who are basically looking for a pulpit to peddle their lies. So what John is saying in verse 10 is that you cannot partner and support 
the ministry of these deceivers. That's what it would have meant back then to welcome them into your home. So remember, in the early church, they gathered for for worship in someone's house. Uh, And the guest preacher would have been a guest in their house. Um, It's a bit like, imagine Dave asking me to be a a guest preacher, and we all gather into his living room, because that's where I'm staying, that's where we're we're worshipping. So the hospitality John warns against is the one that is supporting the ministry of those who are doing harm. Uh, Or as the the Bible sometimes calls them, wolves. Um, He's saying don't actively allow wolves to attack the flock. So let's let's, uh, apply that to us today. Can we have a Jehovah's Witness in for a cup of tea? Sure, if you you really want to. Would you partner with them by financially supporting their ministry? Well, no. The same goes for uh, a bishop of a denomination who have have left the truth or, or any minister who is not holding to the teaching of Christ. Have them round for a meal, definitely. Give them a bed for the night, yes. Be genuine friends with them, love them. But we're not going to invite them to preach from the pulpit. We're not going to give them money to support their ministry. We're not going to recommend their their books or their podcasts uh, as being helpful for discipleship and growing in holiness. Their ministry is not of the truth, and so we don't share in their work. So I think one of the best ways to apply verse 10 to us today is protecting the pulpit. Protecting the pulpit in order to love one another. Love in the sense that that we're always making one of us, our congregations are being fed, convinced, built up, all by the authority of the word and the power of the Holy Spirit, not being harmed and misled by false teachers. Over at Edinburgh North Church, where where I am at the moment, uh, we've been in a time of vacancy for several months. Um, We've not had a minister. And that means that we've had guest preachers more often uh, than we usually would. And we're so aware of how uh, key to our our spiritual health it is that we discern who comes to preach. Will they preach with truth and love from the Bible as they speak it in the pulpit? And I know you guys will experience the same thing in the, in the coming months. It's, uh, you, you'll have uh, guest preachers preaching over the next month, I know. And it's not just your, your leaders who need to protect the pulpit uh, by selecting those who are honest and humble, faithful teachers. It really is the, the responsibility of the whole church to desire and stay hungry for truth and love. Any church 
that survive the battle for truth will find it challenging afterwards. I don't know how it was for you guys, but I know how it has been for, for many. Love, it requires a, a vulnerability. And so love can easily get neglected after you've battled for the truth. Some churches and, and some ministers can become unequally yoked by truth, fixated on the truth, but feel frightened uh, to love. But with these three principles, John wants to help churches in the truth to love again. To love in a way that is safe, that is uh, obedient to God's word. Truth and love really are seeds to be grown alongside each other. And when this happens, we pray by God's grace, he would give us a healthy, fruitful church. A church that's defined by both truth and love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have given us your truth in your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that he has shown us the truth of ourselves, our flaws, our weaknesses. But we also thank you that he holds us, embraces us, forgives us and strengthens us by his love. We thank you that um, so many of your faithful children in Scotland have fought for your truth. We thank you for all the godly soldiers that have gone before us. We thank you for all the, the godly soldiers who fight for the truth today. We pray, Father, that you would always keep us focused on both truth and love. We thank you for your word and we pray that as we continue to worship that it would not um, leave us and that we would hold on to your message that you've spoken to each and every one of us this morning, today and all through the week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.